What is Bible prophecy? And what does it mean to our world right now? Does the Bible have anything to say about the wars and events happening all around the world today? Well, welcome to Christ in Prophecy with your host, Tim Moore, Director and Senior Evangelist for Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry whose purpose it is to understand Bible prophecy and to proclaim it to as many people as possible, as quickly as possible, that Jesus is returning soon. I'm your co-host, Nathan Jones, Internet Evangelist for Lamb and Lion Ministries. Well, Tim, you've been studying Bible prophecy for years, but I kind of think that's a little unusual. I mean, after all, many Christians avoid prophecy. They often skip over Revelation, for example, because they think it's either confusing or fearful. You're right, Nathan. Bible prophecy can be intimidating, especially if you don't understand it. But the reality is this. God has given us signs of the times not to make us worried or afraid, but to help us understand what's happening right now and to prepare us for what's coming. And that's our focus at Christ in Prophecy, to help you understand what's going on in the world from a biblical perspective. So today, we're going to talk about our ministry, about Bible prophecy, and what's going on in the world around us. And I think you'll see that as we seek to understand prophecy in the Bible, we'll understand God's message of hope. All right. Well, it's going to be an eye-opening conversation, and we'll get underway in just a moment. But in the meantime, to find out more about Lamb and Lion Ministries, you can watch our weekly TV program or listen to our podcasts available on our website at ChristInProphecy.org. Also, feel free to download the Lamb and Lion app and sign up for our bi-weekly e-newsletter so you can get updates on what's going on in the world from a prophetic point of view. Did you know that fulfilled prophecy is unique to the Word of God? Only the Bible contains the revelation of God and foretells future events. In fact, fulfilled prophecy validates the trustworthiness of the Bible. Every week on Christ in Prophecy, your hosts, Tim Moore and Nathan Jones, examine God's Word and reveal the prophetic hope for those who believe in Jesus Christ, as well as the Bible's warning about God's coming wrath to those who don't know Him yet. To learn more, visit our website at ChristInProphecy.org. Well, welcome back to Christ in Prophecy. Well, Tim, let's pick up where we left off. I had a question for you. What exactly is Bible prophecy? Is it more than just predictions for telling future events? You know, Nathan, when many people think of prophecy, they think of foretelling what's going to happen in the future. So they think of Bible prophets as declaring what will happen in the distant future, or at least in the future when they were speaking. But we know that there's much more to Bible prophecy. Obviously, there is a foretelling component. And so many times throughout Scripture, the prophets were foretelling Jesus Christ. We actually believe that all prophecy deals with Jesus. And we can go to Revelation 19.10, where it affirms that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It is a revelation of who he is, the fact that he was coming. And we know in hindsight that he was coming first as a suffering lamb, and he will come back as the roaring lion of Judah. So there is a foretelling component that is very important in Scripture. You and I would say that there's a certain percentage of Scripture that actually hearkens to a foretelling. What what have we talked about in the past many times? How much of Scripture deals with foretelling? Well, I think it blows people's minds to realize that and with Bible prophecy, 31% of the Bible is prophetic. So almost a third of the Bible is God wanting us to know how the end will be. 
Jesus Christ wins, and through him, we, his children, win as well. So it's a message of great hope. Uh, more and more churches aren't teaching Bible prophecy, and they're, they're holding people back from what Paul called the blessed hope. It's a message that, that's supposed to give us hope in these dark ages. Uh, I remember growing up as a, a kid, and, uh, and I was probably the only 13, 14-year-old out there who was studying Bible prophecy and asking my pastor, you know, what, what is, what is going to happen here? How do you interpret this? And I did so because uh, Bible prophecy is a fantastic apologetic, isn't it, Tim? It certainly is a great apologetic. As a matter of fact, we can point to Peter's first sermon there in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost where he came out from the upper room with the rest of the disciples and to the gathered masses of Jews there in Jerusalem. He proclaimed Jesus as the Messiah, but he did so by talking about all the prophetic word that was pointing to him. I say all. Every example he used was fulfilled Bible prophecy in the life of Christ. So that 31% means that a great portion of the Bible is foretelling in nature. Some of those prophecies have already been fulfilled in the life of Christ, in the destiny of nations and individuals, and some of them are yet to be fulfilled. But I would actually submit that there's another facet of Bible prophecy, and that is forthtelling. So I'll use the example of Nathan the prophet who came to King David to tell him a story about a very rich man who coveted his neighbor's little lamb. The poor man only had one lamb, and so the rich man wanted that lamb for himself, and he stole it from the poor man. Of course, King David was outraged that, that someone would use such injustice to, to gain for themselves an a innocent little lamb. And Nathan the prophet, through insight given him from God, told the king, you are the man. That was a forthtelling, a revelation that really wasn't foretelling, but he was declaring the truth. Over 1,900 times in Scripture, the phrase, thus saith the Lord, is repeated because God is revealing himself. You can think of even the Genesis account. There was only one eyewitness there to know how that came to pass, but God declared it to be true, so he foretold the revelation of his truth even regarding the creation and so I would submit that all of Scripture is prophetic, and therefore all of it is valuable to us. And we know that even from uh, what Paul had to write to Timothy, don't we? It's important to understand the difference between foretelling and foretelling, because people today, when they think of prophecy, they think, well, you're going to tell us what the future is. Well, sure, we will, according to what the Bible says, but we believe the book of Revelation is the end of foretelling prophecy. So those who have the gift of prophecy, it's a gift of foretelling. It's trying to get people to understand that Jesus Christ is returning. They need to repent and come to salvation in Jesus Christ before the time is short. It's a calling out of the nations to like the prophets of old used to do, to call the nations to come and repent. Exactly uh, so. I love uh, this verse, Tim, Revelation 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Isn't it true that by studying Bible prophecy that the Lord has promised us a blessing? He sure has. And, you know, that promise is very uh, clear in that passage in Revelation. It's repeated later in the book of Revelation. But we know from what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16, that all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And that certainly includes God's prophetic word. At Christ in prophecy, we bring to light 
God's prophetic word as it relates to Jesus Christ, not just in his first coming, but in his promised second coming. And so that's why we emphasize the signs of the times that are being manifest all around us and converging even in our day and age that point to the season of the Lord's return. You said that we're prophets in the sense that we proclaim God's truth. Every pastor who gets in a pulpit yes, and yes. essentially says, thus saith the Lord, is being prophetic. Now, Nathan, neither you or I would claim that we can foresee the future. We don't have that gift. But as we reveal what God has already said in his word, we are making prophetic utterance, just pointing people to what he has already promised. Absolutely, absolutely. And pointing to Jesus Christ's victory resets our life and priorities. Well, folks, coming up, we're going to give you a fresh update on what's really going on in the world today and how it relates to our topic today, the importance of Bible prophecy. To find out what's really going on in the world, keep listening to Christ in Prophecy, your weekly perspective on the signs of the times through the lens of God's prophetic word. Your hosts are Tim Moore, Senior Evangelist for Lamb and Lion Ministries, and our Internet Evangelist, Nathan Jones. Lamb and Lion is a non-denominational ministry whose purpose is to proclaim to as many people as possible, as quickly as possible, that Jesus is returning soon. To find out more, go to ChristinProphecy.org. Welcome back. We're at the segment where we're going to talk about what's going on in the world from a prophetic point of view. Uh, Tim and I have been focusing on the last few months, and I think the whole world, Tim, has been looking in the last few months about what's going on between Hamas and Israel. How do you see this event being a failure of understanding the importance of Bible prophecy? Well, I think clearly many in the political realm have always failed to understand Bible prophecy. Uh, fortunately, at one point, our own President Harry Truman at least understood that those who bless Israel will be blessed. So the United States recognized Israel upon its uh, Declaration of Independence in 1948. But in recent years, most American presidents have fallen into the wrong-minded mentality that they need to divide the land of Israel, the, the land that was claimed by the Palestinians but promised to the Jews in order to facilitate peace. And that has been a false hope, clearly, because there's been no peace process that has produced any peace. As a matter of fact, even when giving the Palestinian leaders, everything they claim to want, they still have a satanic hatred for the Jewish people and for Israel. Famously, Yasser Arafat rejected a, an offer of everything that he had demanded, and he went home and declared the Intifada back a number of years ago. Yes, it, it seems like American presidents, even though they have a Christian background or, or some kind of Christian education, come what's called an amillennial interpretation of Bible prophecy. They see that all Bible prophecy has been completed in Bible times and that Israel is an accident of history. They don't understand the importance of it. And I think one of the, the biggest issues that happens when you don't understand Bible prophecy and interpret it from a literal point of view was what George W. Bush in, did in 2005 when he said, okay, you're going to trade Israel land for peace, pull out of the Gaza Strip and give that over to the Palestinian people. Well, the Palestinian people, he did seem to understand, have an Islamic worldview, which has a direct hatred of the Jewish people. They're not going to step back and, and have peace with the Jewish people. So they've continually used their position to attack Israel, and now Israel has come in and having to deal with Hamas. And that can all be brought back to George W. Bush's misunderstanding of the importance of Israel in prophecy. You know, it's not just his. I mean, as mm -hmm. I said, most of our recent American presidents have a misguided understanding. They don't look at the world through a biblical lens and definitely not through a Bible prophecy lens. No, no. Otherwise, they'd have different policies. I would say, uh, just in this most recent conflict, 
The United States initially did say that we stand with Israel. Now, how long will that last? We know prophetically that it will not last. Inevitably, all the nations of the world will come against Israel. And we see that Israel responds to attacks even from terrorists. One by one, the nations of the world uh, remove their support for Israel. And in the end times, we know that all the nations will come against the Lord and his anointed and against the nation of Israel. In Joel chapter 3, it said, Behold, in those days and at that time when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem. So you could argue today, we've seen the fortunes of Judah, the, the people of Israel restored. Jerusalem is back in Jewish hands. He says, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the Valley of Jehoshaphat, what we've referred to before as the Valley of Decision. Now, this is a future prophecy to be fulfilled but this attitude we're already seeing happening today. And the Lord says, Then I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my inheritance, Israel. Now, there are a lot of Christians, Nathan, you and I know, who would claim, well, that, that applies to us. No, I was never promised the land of Israel. That was no. to no. The Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their descendants, their genetic descendants. And the Lord says that he is coming into judgment on behalf of his people and on behalf of Israel, whom they, the nations of the world, have scattered among the nations, and they have divided up my land. And so we see right before our eyes in modern era, again, our own nation and others wanting to divide up land and really not honoring the prophetic word of God. Yes, uh, there's a misunderstanding of Genesis 12, uh, 2, I will make you, he's talking to Abraham, a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We've certainly been blessed for the Jewish people. They gave us the Bible. They gave us the Messiah. And the future prophecies deal with Israel coming to repentance and become a priestly people during Christ's kingdom. So every president, every American administration that comes against Israel and curses Israel by looking at a two-state solution is actually bringing God's condemnation on our own nation. They certainly are. You know, we can try to analyze day by day, but I think sometimes it's great to step back and see the big picture. And the big picture is what is clearly declared in Scripture and, again, through the lens of prophecy. And so we're going to take another quick break, Nathan and I, and when we come back, we're going to talk more about some of the signs of the times that we focus on that proclaim we are living in the season of the Lord's return. Stay with us. Well, welcome back. We're talking today about Bible prophecy. You know, Tim, it's interesting. In Luke chapter 21 and Matthew chapter 24, uh, the apostles came up to Jesus and they asked him three questions. They asked him, when will these things happen? Like, when will the temple fall? And we know historically that was 70 AD. So what will be the signs that lead up to the end of the age, which we know to be the church age that was coming, and of the end times leading up to Christ's return? Are there signs that the Lord's given us that we can look at today that points to the soon return of Jesus Christ? Well, we certainly can see those signs, and the signs are multiplying all around us. I would submit that even in that passage from Matthew 24, the second point they asked is, what will be the signs of your coming? And so I would point out that the disciples, who we often criticize, that they didn't get it in a big sense. Uh, they didn't even get that he would be uh, sacrificed uh, terribly and tragically, but that he would be resurrected until they had hindsight but already there in Matthew 24, they were asking, when will these things take place? As you mentioned, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And so over and over again, Jesus talked about signs that would point to his coming and of the end of the age. The Revelation is full of signs. 
Now, you and I would agree that unless you've read the Old Testament, some of those signs remain mysterious. Sometimes they're defined right there, exactly uh, adjacent to the sign itself, but other times you have to realize that John and the other writers of the New Testament are pointing back to Old Testament revelation, even in describing Jesus, the Ancient of Days, etc. But for many years, we've talked about six different categories of signs. Dr. David Reagan came up with this many years ago that allow us to kind of build a framework of understanding. So those would be the signs of nature, the signs of society, spiritual signs, both positive and negative, signs of world politics, signs of technology, and even most importantly, signs of Israel. And that's one that's uh, relevant right now. But Nathan, just to kind of review, what do we mean when we talk about signs of nature? Well, Jesus gave 10 signs, particularly in Luke 21, that we can divide into the six categories. Uh, For once, there'd be earthquakes, there'd be signs in the sky and the heavens. Uh, Natural disasters would increase because we can look and say, uh, you know, earthquakes have happened, you know, volcanoes have blown up, tsunamis, they've been all around. But Jesus said when they increase in frequency and intensity like birth pains, Ah. uh, you know, we both watched our wives uh, give birth and, you know, the contractions start far apart and light, but as the baby gets closer, the contractions come more faster and more frequent and, and harder and more emphatic. And so till the baby comes. And so for the baby to come, this is Jesus coming first at the end of this age to rapture the church up to heaven, but at the end of the, a tribulation time period, his second coming to establish his kingdom. So when he said the signs of nature, he said that natural disasters would increase in frequency and intensity. Uh, leading up to his return. And isn't it interesting how the world has been looking at these signs that Jesus has given us, these natural disasters that say, hey, repent and return to me, and attributing it to global warming. It sure is. You know, it's ironic to me that even Peter, using another prophetic passage in Second Peter 3, said that in the end times, mockers would come scoffing at the idea of these signs and would say, essentially, where is the promise of his coming forever since the fathers fell asleep? All continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. And yet, sadly, too many times these mockers are not in the world. They're not even considering that Jesus is coming soon. They're in the church. And yet Peter goes on to affirm the Lord is not slow about his promise. So we could scoff if we didn't take Bible prophecy seriously, but if we trust and believe the Word of God, then we're not scoffing. We're studying and trying to gain understanding. So let me ask you the second sign then. Sure. I wish we had a lot of time to dive into this. I think we'll have to come back and visit all these signs individually. Absolutely. Well, let's look at the signs of society, Tim. Uh, You've dealt a lot with people don't know about it in Right for Life movements. And so tell us a little about the sign of society. Well, our society now seems to model after the society that Jesus described in Noah's days with a rise in wickedness and a rise in immorality. And following even the giving over that is described in Romans chapter 1, the Lord seems to be lowering the hedge of protection around our society as we first rejected him, second embraced uh, unnatural relationships, and now have a deluded mind to where even our own Supreme Court justice, one of them doesn't know what a woman is. (laughs) And so we are living in a season of depraved minds in our society. Goodness, how, how many people would have dreamed how far we would have fallen at this point in history, just 20 years ago. Yeah, the Bible prophesied that we would basically lose our minds the closer we get to his return. Certainly. There's also spiritual signs, and luckily, not all the signs are negative. This one is also positive, correct? Very much so. As a matter of fact, uh, some of those positive signs are a rise in Davidic worship, a 
clear spreading of the gospel around the world. We can talk about how many people Billy Graham alone was able to share the gospel with. And through technology, Nathan, you use the Internet for a good purpose, which is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this program and others through Lamb and Lion Ministries have impact all around the world. So we see positive spiritual signs, even though there are some negative ones. Yeah, praise the Lord. An explosion of evangelism in the last days and with the communication technologies we have today, we're reaching so many people for Jesus Christ. The Bible also prophesied a certain configuration of end-time nations for the sign of world politics. Can you briefly cover that one? Oh, boy. We, we could, again, spend much time, but in a nutshell, there would be an alignment of nations coming against Israel. For almost 2,000 years, uh, the world witnessed there was no Israel. What possibly could that sign refer to? But we see the alignment of Arab and other nations that are coming against Israel right before our eyes here in the 21st century. But that brings us to the signs of technology. And folks, we know we're, we're moving through them very quickly. I can assure you in weeks to come, we'll talk about all these signs in much greater detail. But Nathan, you have a, a great fascination even with the signs of technology. Oh, yeah. Well, Daniel 12, 4, it's a prophecy where, where Daniel didn't understand all these future world political configurations that the angel had given him. And he says, the angel says, well, seal up the book to the time of the ends, and many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. So he says in the end times, travel and knowledge will increase greatly. And we live in a tremendous time of, of knowledge and travel that was prophesied way back almost 2,500 years ago. We sure do. You know, we're going to have to give short shift to uh, Israel, the greatest of all signs. We've talked about Israel already. I can assure y'all uh, listening to us today that we will come back and hone in on Israel because it is the greatest of all the signs that are being manifest today. Excellent. I can't wait till we do that, Tim. Let's give us some final words when we come back of encouragement. I think people need to be encouraged. Here at Christ and Prophecy, we want everyone to know that Jesus is coming back and he doesn't want his people to be unprepared. So, to stay up to date about unfolding events, get a biblical perspective on the signs of the times, and dig deeper into God's prophetic word, check out our free bi-weekly Lamplighter magazine. You can easily sign up to have Lamplighter magazine delivered directly to your email inbox when you go to ChristinProphecy.org. Sign up today. Folks, the emphasis of Christ in Prophecy is exactly that, prophecy pointing to Jesus Christ. We want to emphasize every single week that our belief in God's Word is from beginning to end, the Alpha and the Omega. The Lord God was the only one present at creation. He's the only one who can testify, and he's the only one who has seen the end from the beginning. Nathan today talked about a blessing that comes in the book of Revelation just for reading and heeding that book. As a matter of fact, the writer John says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. That begs a question. How do you heed a book of prophecy? Well, the first thing you have to do is believe it. At Christ in Prophecy, we believe that by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, by taking him at his word, we can get understanding even of what he has revealed throughout Scripture. The Holy Spirit in our hearts reveals to us what God wants us to understand. And this formula, if you will, is age old. Abraham believed God. And Scripture says that because he believed God, it was credited to him as righteousness. We believe in Jesus Christ as being the Son of the living God, the Messiah, promised by the prophets of old. And because we believe in him, we are given his righteousness. In other words, we are saved and guaranteed eternal life. 
We can talk about Bible prophecy involving foretelling and forthtelling, but the question is, do you believe God? You know, if you do, the Lord has many promises made to those who follow Jesus Christ. He has promises of blessing and of hope. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, the Lord saying, I know the plans I have for you. Now, we recognize that this verse hearkened to the Jewish people in particular, but the principle applies to those of us who also believe God. God has plans for us, plans to prosper us, and plans to give us hope and eternal life. And so my question for you today, as you hear the words of of Scripture that we share with you in this program, I would ask, do you believe them? Do you believe the Lord God himself? If you do, then in the words of Paul written in Titus chapter 2, verse 13, then Jesus is coming as your blessed hope. But if you do not, then we know Jesus will return as your holy terror. Our plea to you today is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. The Lord will open the eyes of your heart and you will have the assurance of eternal life. On behalf of all of us here at Lamb and Lion Ministries, this is Tim Moore saying, look up and be watchful for our redemption is drawing soon. Join with a great throng of saints who are crying out Maranatha, an Arabic word that means come, Lord Jesus. Or, in my Kentucky shorthand, I'll just wish you all Godspeed. Godspeed.